Heritage Media. Our next guest, Darren Butcher of Wisebury Heritage, knows a thing or two about investing in real estate. We had him on the pod about nine months ago, and today we've got him back in the chair to talk to him about all sorts of investing advice, tips, tricks, and it's really good because we actually get to talk to someone in the front line of the business in real time. Anyone can invest, but it's getting the right advice from professionals that's key, and Here to give us his take on investing in property is Darren. I do need to let you know, though, that like anything, this is not financial advice. You really should speak to someone in regards to your unique circumstances. So without any further ado, here's Darren Butcher. Welcome, Darren Butcher. Thank you. (laughs) I just need to start by simply saying, how's the market going? Um, unbelievable would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. It is uh, as ballistic as, as we're talking. The phone's ringing red hot. Um, so, yeah, it's busier than I've ever seen it in my 30 years of real estate, that's for sure. Yeah. I think you um, we spoke about six months ago and it was the same then. So it's just still yep. busy. It's probably busier than six months ago and that was the busiest time I'd been in. So, yep. so coming into uh, spring and summer, what are we thinking? It's just going to keep getting busier. Absolutely. It's supply and demand. And look, there just isn't the supply for the demand that's there. You know, for every property now, we've probably got 30 or 40 people wanting to buy um, the property. And uh, look, there is a a pricing point for every property. And I think one of the things that most people miss is that, uh, you know, the market is going up and everyone goes, well, mine's better than that one. So it's got to be worth more. And so they put a little bit more on the next the next agent comes along and says, well, I can get you more than that. And then the next agent comes along, I can get you more than that. So there is a price that's realistic for the property. And I think uh, that's one of the things that people have got to realise. But, uh, you know, should you beat it? Yes, you probably will. And uh, the bigger the the team, the more uh, coordination they've got and things like that, the better you're going to go. And, and so we've seen that uh, some of the smaller teams in town uh, aren't getting the results that we're getting. Um, just can't do the competition that they've got against the buyers and uh, and have that big database and, and uh, be able to handle the clientele that we've been able to handle. So so we're specifically going to talk about investing today. Mm-hmm. Um, what's out there for investors? Oh, look, it's my favourite topic. So uh, uh, look, investors at the moment, they're going to be competing with uh, the people who are looking for first homes and realising they're going to miss out. Um, so they're jumping in really, really hard. Um, they're going to be against people who are buying holiday homes, which is probably something, a category that wasn't happening too much. Airbnb brought a little bit of it back, but uh, but now all of a sudden COVID's brought it back in a big way and families are starting to pull money to buy properties together. Um, and, uh, and then investors are competing against themselves as well because there's so many of them out there. They can see that the interest rates are low. They can see the returns are quite good. Um, and, uh, you know, they've saved up all their bickies from not being able to go on holidays and things. And so they're uh, investing in bricks and mortar and it's been really good. So with it moving so quickly, where do you start as an investor? Yeah, where do you even begin? Because and the way having invested recently, if you aren't ready, you miss out. Yeah, exactly. You've got to get cashed up. So uh, you've got to go to the bank and uh, you've got to be talking to either a bank or a broker. Look, I'm suggesting at the moment the banks are really, really slow. Um, you'd be best to speak to a broker. Um, you know, we've got all sorts of people that we can recommend from them. My brother's a broker, of course, um, so he can help people. But look, the long and the short of it is that 
Um, if you find out what you what you can get and what your limits are, um, then you've got something to work from. I would peel back 50 grand from that because when you start looking at that budget, you might find that budget starts to exceed itself anyway and that you'll wanna, you won't want to miss out. So you don't want to overspend um, what you can actually borrow and, and be in a position where you've got to find money from somewhere. Um, you're better to probably peel yourself back a little and then try to uh, then work on that budget. And if something's a little bit dearer, then you can jump on that. Okay. And... There are different ways to invest. Yep. Why property? Why not stocks and shares? Why Why should we be investing in property, do you think? Yeah, it's a very good question. Look, stocks and shares have got their place, uh, their time and place. I think from where I see real estate and, and you know, uh, you know, I'm second generation real estate. My son now is in it and my daughter and they're third generation. So the way I see it is bricks and mortar is always uh, has a value that you can see it's tangible and, and it can work. Um, stocks and shares, they have their place and a lot of people have made a lot of money from them. So I'm not going to discredit that as an investment vehicle, but you know, I look at it that I know real estate over a 10 year cycle generally doubles. Um, and it has traditionally for the last, you know, hundred years. And so, uh, there's a fair chance it's going to continue to do that if those cycles continue. So I, I, I just remember, remember going back to my early days 30 years ago and, uh, and people were saying to me, um, Hey, look, Darren, you know, this isn't going to double like there's in 10 years time. And I said, look, I can only go off past history and I've only just started, but it seems like it's a, it's a bit of a trend. And I remember saying to a, a guy who was a, a boss of mine at the time when I first got in, look, you know, it's $80,000 for a, a three bedroom hardy plank in Gorick and you know, it's never going to be worth a hundred surely. And he goes, yep, it will. And I said, nah, he goes, it'll always double every 10 years or it normally does seven to 10 years. Anyway, uh, I watched it traditionally. Yes, if you looked at that home that was $80,000, yes, it did go to 160. Yes, it did go to 320. And now it is sitting at 650. Um, it shows you 30 years, 10, a double, double, double. It's, it's there. So I guess investing in real estate's a long game. Yeah, look, you know, I can't uh, implore enough that people should be looking at it as a 30-year proposition as a minimum. The first 10 years is, doesn't matter where you buy in the cycle then, it doesn't matter if it's up or it's down, you're still getting property and so you're on that cycle. The next 10 years, and if you bought at the low, that's fantastic. If you bought at the high, that's still okay, you've got a property and it's going to do what you need it to do. The second, uh, after 10 years, you know, you should find there's a bit of equity in it. After 20 years, you'll see a whole heap of equity in it. And uh, then after 30 years, you're going to see, oh, crap, a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty handy. So someone like me in their 40s, if, you know, obviously it's looking at a retirement fund, it's 20 yep. years from now. Yep. Is that how people should be thinking, that real long-term investment strategy plan? I think what you've got to look at is if you look at something on the short and you try to play, play it, you're taking risk because you're then um, trying to out experience the market. So you might be trying to pick where the low is or where the high is. And look, everyone tries to do it, of course. But when it's low, no one wants to buy. And the reason they don't want to buy is there's variables in the marketplace. It could have been that COVID just hit, which was one of the things that everyone told me when my son was buying one, uh, look, don't don't let him buy, don't let him buy. And I said, look, it's okay. It's If he's looking at it for 30 years, it's not a problem. You know, it'll cover cover its own mortgage and uh, it'll be fine if he, once he, if he ever moves out of it, you know, so. Um, I think the picking of the cycle is that you're going to find that some people think that they're better than others at being able to pick it. And that's fantastic if they are really good and they're really, really lucky. But the truth is no one knows where this market's going today. It could crash tomorrow or it could take three years to crash. And, and so nobody really can predict the future. So what are some of the challenges in the market that you've seen 
in a 10-year cycle? What what are some things that people should expect if they're new to this yep. that they probably haven't seen in there, you know, since they've been buying and investing? What are some of the things that they should be looking at that they can take into consideration? Yeah, okay. Um, look, there's lots of things. One is employment going up, employment going down, interest rates going up, interest rates going down, world problems, world health, which is what we're going through at the moment, which gives the has given the opposite of what most people predicted. Um, politics, which, uh, which, uh, and I'm not uh, getting into politics in any way, shape or form in, in the, the who's good and who's not. But normally if one's in, it's a little bit more conservative than when another one's in um, for how the market surges and things like that. So again, um, it, there's lots of variables that go in into it. Um, stock market up and stock market down. Here's an interesting one. Going back 20 years ago, the stock market used to go up, real estate used to go down, vice versa. They weren't counter-cyclical. And so people used to jump from one to the other as a vehicle and things like that. That doesn't happen anymore. Everyone sees it, including cryptocurrencies and all the rest of the stuff. They all see it as investment now. They don't take it. So it, it hasn't run in those cycles like it, it normally would have. Um, my, my fear of it, if there is a fear, is that uh, we've had two up cycles and uh, not really much of a dip. We've had a, just a slight one through a few different things that have come through. But um, the banks weren't lending in the end of, uh, end of 2019, I think it was. And uh, then we had COVID hitting in 2000, March 2020. So there was two areas where that felt like there was going to be dips and then all of a sudden it comes surging back, you know. And um, so, yeah, look, I think just be be mindful that if money's flowing freely, businesses are running really, really well, then you generally find that real estate goes along with, with that. So. Okay. And if I've got sort of six fifty seven hundred to spend, mm-hmm. um, would your advice be to get something newer? Or spend a little bit less and possibly get something older? What what would you recommend? Well, it's different because everyone's vehicle is different. So I suppose the first thing you've got to do is look at your, you know, uh, whether you want it from a tax perspective. So whether you want it from the money that's coming in on a day-to-day basis, but I don't buy real estate for that. I buy real estate for what its growth's going to be. Um, so everyone's different. And that's because, you know, I have a decent income that's coming in. And so I'm able to supply my own self from that income coming in. So I don't really need it for my rental properties. Um, but some people need it. Um, and so you really got to see your financial advisors, your uh, accountants, your lawyers, uh, all the people that are, yes, and that's, I suppose that's my precursor on any advice that I give. You've got to see those people to see what suits you personally. Um, so to answer the question, there's negative gearing, there's positive gearing, there's evenly gearing. And I think, um, you know, for me, when I'm looking at investments, I'm looking at the older one myself. I'm looking for the bigger yard, something I can do something to, maybe something that can do a dual lock or a subdivision or a granny flat or something that's got potential that might get rezoned in the future or whatever. So that's what I look for, but that's not what everyone should look for. You know, there's, you know, for, for someone who can change their income tax bracket down a, a notch and pay less tax, they might want something newer so they can have depreciation on it and things like that. So, and speak to your accountants about that. And if you don't have an accountant, um, you know, there's a guy by the name of Robert Kiyosaki that writes a, a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I live by. It's a really, really great book. But he said, uh, you know, there's some certain friends that you need in this world and one's an accountant, one's a good lawyer or solicitor um, or conveyancer can go into that mix. Uh, you know, financial planners can go into that mix. A good real estate agent can certainly go in that mix. You know, you've got people who you rely on consistently, your doctor, you know, that you rely on and uh, you go, okay, well, that's the person I'm going to go for health and uh, your gym instructor for, for your gym. And so I think you've got to actually, you know, look and go, I've got a real estate agent. I believe in them. I know them. They know where I'm actually sitting and they're going to give me good advice and and follow that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And can a first home buyer be an investor? 
Can you do it at the same time? You can, but it is very difficult. And you'd want to check the law side of that, of whether you can actually rent out part of it, but I believe that it, that it can be done. And so if you buy something that actually you can um, rent by room uh, or potentially uh, something that's got a granny flat on the same title, I still believe you can buy it as a first-home buyer and um, still have that ability. It is going to be tough, though, remembering because people are competing in that area because they're looking for something with dual incomes. Um, but look, you know, you probably hear it, um, you won't hear this a lot yet, but you will hear it over the next 10 to 20 years that rooms for rent will be something that will be a major, major category in real estate, I have no doubt about it. Mm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a property manager will also not only just manage properties, but will be also managing rooms to rent as well. Okay. And you've got a lot of, um, you know, young kids who are late teens, early 20s, yeah. buying a home possibly staying living with mum and dad and renting out that property and are you are you seeing or are you seeing any of that happen at the moment i think um the ones that i'm advising they go in and they buy it and they stay in it for 12 months like they're supposed to um and so they do apply the the, the law and then move out of it and then go and live with mum and dad absolutely i should do that you live at home as long as you possibly can <laughs> and utilise mum and dad as your investment or saving plan because while you're living at home and you're not paying all those things like electricity and, uh, and water and, and uh, all those sorts of things, you're going to be so much better off. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, utilise them. I, I did it three times. I stayed home. Uh, I bought a home, um, rent, then rent, lived in it, rented it out, then uh, bought another one, rented it out then bought another one, and then the third time they kicked me out and said, no, you can stop George it. and Trish at uh, 42 said to you, Darren. Yes. <laughs> it's time to move It wasn't out. necessarily 42, but it was <laughs> It was, uh, It was. was uh, certainly time to go. Um, and I know this is going to vary, but a general rule for a deposit as an investor, yep. what are we looking at? Because usually it doesn't always have to be a straight 20%. You can leverage... Um, yep. Yeah, 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 you can leverage off your own home, so you can use the equity at your home, yes. stuff like that. So. Yes, equity. That's yep. the word I was looking for, yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. So I don't, as an investor, I don't really necessarily have to save up 20%. No, but look, 20% is the rule of thumb where you find a lot of freedoms with a lot of the banks. So a lot of them, uh, there's lenders, mortgage insurance, that if you haven't got the 20% deposit, that you have to pay that, and it's quite hefty. So the ideal is to have the 20%, but you might have 5% saved up and you might have 50% equity in your home. And you can borrow some of the equity out of your home to actually make sure you've still got a, more than a 20% equity in your home. And then you've also got 20% in your investment property. So you can do that. You'll find the brokers are brilliant at doing that. They know how to do that. They know how to refinance. They know how to shuffle it. They know how to move. Um, if you've got you know, some of the nasties like credit cards, zip pays, things like that, move them all into a bundle and then be able to put it onto the home to bring the interest rates down from maybe the 5 8 10, 15, and all the way up to 25% that I've heard of recently of a credit card and uh, make payments a lot cheaper and, and easier for you. Okay. And are you seeing with your investor buyers their bank vows coming back on point? Yeah, with, with most what, of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. I think what uh, the valuers have worked out is that the market's moving and they've got some leeway that's there. I did see a little a little time frame and it was probably only a two-week window where the valuers were being told by the banks to toughen up. And uh, I think that's ridiculous. I think that that in itself uh, should be investigated. Um, I don't think the bank should have any say into how a value or value is a property. But we were finding them toughing up on a couple of vowels. But since then, we've broken record after record after record. And those properties that they valued up 
we actually had a value of value of property at 550 that they bought for 950 and a week later that same property valued up at 950 you can't tell me those two valuers they're they're half a million dollars apart almost uh, 400,000 it's a long way on a on a property for 950 so uh, you know for me valuations can get it wrong um, but most of the time they're not game to go against the market as it stands at the moment in a moving market they will but right at the moment when I say that in a moving market downwards they will but uh, but at the moment they, I don't think they are yeah okay and I just want to talk about um, tax depreciation schedules yes. and when you're a first-time investor you usually haven't heard those three words. Yes. Um, what is a tax depreciation schedule? Okay. Well, look, it, it's done on items of the house that actually do depreciate. So things like a stove, um, things like an air conditioner, um, carpet, um, they all have a, a lifetime that they can last. And what actually happens is you can claim against them depreciating or going down in value. And then so you can go and get another one for your investment property. So if you've got a tenant in a property, you, then you can buy a property uh, stuff that goes in there that can depreciate tax depreciation schedule is done and designed that you can maximise the potential that you've got in their property by minimising your tax. So uh, it's a very, very good thing for a younger property. As you get to a very old property, it's probably not as necessary unless you do a full revamp on it. But mm-hmm. um, but they're very, very good things. And there's some fantastic people out there that actually do it that you probably should look into. So is that something my accountant can do or do I need to go to more a tax depreciation specialist? Yeah, look, there's people that specialise in it. And so they'd, they'd be people that I would go to. And uh, again, if you're buying new, then it's something you should be all over. Anything within you know five years, you probably should be going and seeing them. Although they can do it for a lot older homes as well. Yeah, and what are some surprises people may not take into consideration? Whether that's a finance, like little costs that are hidden, or just the you know finding a tenant. What are some things that you think people are going to be most surprised about when they start? Yep, um, investing. Look, vacancy factor is something you've got to take into consideration. Um, hiring a great property management team that can do it faster is very, very vital. That's why we've got such a large property management team. We like to get it done quickly for our people to create wealth. Um, rates, um, water. The landlords have to pay water and then they get reimbursed there. But if they don't actually have their um, rate, their water rates into the agents in time, they've only got a small window of opportunity um, that they actually can claim them back. So it's something that needs to be in and presented and uh, be addressed soon. Um, other little catches, uh, look, I, I think um, just maintenance, you know, ongoing maintenance. So if you are buying an older property like like what I like buying, um, then you've got to allow a little bit of your budget to be for the hot water system to potentially go or an air conditioner that might have gone or if it's got a pool in there that there might be pool maintenance, just little things like that. You might think that that's really appealing to people but they're things that if they go, you can't just say, oh, I won't fix the air conditioner now. If it had an air conditioner at the start, it needs to be going mm-hmm. and it needs to be working at the end. So, yeah, right. Yeah. So what about if you've, you've, you've got the tenants in, managing tenants as an investor, is that something you do? Are you better off trying to do it your own or are you better off? And I know it's very, it's, this yeah, is a loaded it is. question. Yeah, it is. But have you heard of anyone managing their own property successfully? Oh, look, we see so many, um, so many that come to us and say, can you help us? We've got them in arrears or, hey, they were family friends and they were recommended to us, but they haven't paid rent or we see so many issues. We actually see family mem- family members where their parents may give us the property to manage the kids because the kids aren't paying and they don't, uh, they can't get them to pay. So... Look, it's fraught with dangers and, and probably the biggest one is, hey, I've got so-and-so who's a friend of mine, um, would you mind putting them in? Now, the reason they haven't got a property is potentially that they weren't good tenants and now all of a sudden 
Um, they, they're there and they're available and you can have them in and look, you can get rent right, right away. So you put them in and then all of a sudden three weeks down the line you realise why they're actually looking for property. And uh, so look, I'd be very, very cautious. Managing a property, the management fees are tax deductible anyway. They go against the property as an expense, and and uh, it is crazy if you uh, you don't hire a manager. Um, you know, for me, I've I, I do have a lot, a lot of investments, and and I've got them all managed by. I don't manage any myself, mm-hmm. not one. So. Okay. And what what is the actual overall goal for property investors? Is it passive income at retirement? Yeah. Look, I think it's. I think there's, that's a really, really, uh, you're talking about loaded questions, that's mm. a really, really loaded question in the sense that it's individual, it's an individual choice. You've got to think about what the end is and then start to work backwards. So a lot of times when you invest into properties, you're, you're better to know how you want that money out at the end or if you do want the money out. And I use, for example, yourself, Carly, with a couple of kids. You might be just looking at it as an investment for the kids for the future or you could be looking at it as a way to pay an income to you when you stop earning an income. So you've got to make that choice of what it is going to be for and how it's going to best benefit you. And uh, so from my perspective, um, I, I don't look at real estate as something that you should go and sell all the time. I mean, if you can hold them all, that'd be fantastic, but not everyone can. You need to upgrade and get to better properties, and I've done that too. But you you know, I'm looking at just keeping it for the long haul and that income coming in, and that income then forms a deposit to buy something else, and that continues. But there is an exit time, and you've got to know at that exit time what you want it for. So... Mm. I suppose the question is, and if we look at it for you, would it be that you need it for your income coming in or would you want the to take the growth out of it? Now, I've got some clients of mine at the moment um, that have got, a, we've just got two properties up for sale. They've got a portfolio, quite a decent sized portfolio, and they've got to the time where they're two years off retiring and now it's time to sell out. So we're going to start to slowly trickle them out and all the rest of it. It's like they're letting go of their kids. Um, it is an unbelievably tough decision and, and I'd love to bring them on this show and, and, and let them talk about it because it's like their babies. All their lives, they've helped maintain them. They've, uh, they've had the ins and outs. They've had the ups and downs and yet they're still there as investors in, uh, of many properties and, and now they're starting to slowly let that go. And I think the interesting part for them is I don't know whether they know what's like after they do their travelling and stuff like that, what's next? Because this was so much part of their life and part of what they both did. And I think that was the harder decision than actually selling the property. Mm. And so it wouldn't have mattered if they got a dollar or they got a huge a million dollars. It wasn't to do with that. It was to, to do with the end, end result. So, uh, you know, like it's, uh, it's time to move it. But it was an emotional connection they had. It was like an anchor for them. So, right. And do, do you have, is there a way to have more than one investment strategy? You can, you can. It's like it's like anything. Um, you know, you can have the way I do it. The way I looked at the world was that I wasn't satisfied with just one way of making money. So I looked at it that each of my investments had to earn a certain amount over a certain period of time. So I sort of figured real estate would double every ten years. I, you know, you knew the formula and knew that worked. So every one of my investments had to make 10% if it wasn't going to be in real estate. And if it was in real estate, it still had to do it. So I was always looking at the the capital growth on, on a property more than the rental returns or anything like that. Um, but yes, you can. You can have, I think when you first start in real estate, it's unrealistic to think that you're going to have a positive geared property to a certain extent. You might be lucky and you might get it and, and you know all the rest of it, but you don't have any money. You haven't saved any deposits. You haven't got anything to leverage off. So normally it becomes more positive the more deposit you put in. Um, and so it is it is harder. Now, it's better with the interest rates the way they are than 
where they were when I, I started out and certainly where other people had started out before me. But I, what I would say to you is that you're probably going to have to start with a negative gear if you're young um, and or if you don't have any money coming in, if you're, you're nearly maxed out. And then you're going to have to try to work it into a positive gear. Then you'll get a, you know, work a little bit of equity with time helping you to get a bit of equity in your property, which means just, you know, it's got, it might be worth, you might have bought it at 400, might be worth 500. That gives you 100,000 in equity. That gives you a chance of, of leveraging a little bit more of a deposit that you can use for the next one that's there. Yeah. So, but it's it's not easy. And I think you can't start with a positive geared strategy or an evenly geared strategy unless you're really, um, you know, you, you've got a healthy deposit to start off with. And that's unlikely. So for anyone that's just starting out, whether you're young or you're old, then I would suggest just try to form up 5% form a relationship with a bank and see whether you can get a 95% lend, pay the mortgage insurance. If you have to pay it, you've got to pay it. Work on it as an investment. Start to work it and start to, to build some money into it. Keep working hard at the job you've got or whatever. Put it in until you've started to get a bit of uh, movement. If the market then takes it further, then start drawing the money out to actually buy and use it as a deposit for the next one. Yeah. That'd okay. be how I do it. And my last question is when you're out looking, as a rule, you kind of keep your cards close to your chest. Am I best if I'm investing to come up and say, look, and look, I need an investment property. What do you got? As opposed to being a little bit, you know, cautious. And yep. do you treat investors different to say first home buyers or you know, in when you're trying to sell them something? Does it help if you know they're investors? Yeah, look, it does, uh, and it's if an agent doesn't say to you what's your deposit that you've actually got for it, they're not really looking at you as an investor. They're they're just like they'll say. What are you looking for? Are you looking for positive or negative gear? And most of them don't even ask that question. They go, are you an investor or are you an occupier? And that's the last question they ask. But they should be finding out how much deposit you've got and and what's the strategy that you want to use. So you might say, I want it negative geared, I want it positive geared, I want it evenly geared, and then throw them the strategy and the areas that you're after, what you're after, what size you're after. But you know, as an investor, they should know that first because if you want a positive geared property and you're not putting anything in, then they're going to know that, that property doesn't suit you and they shouldn't show you. Mm-hmm. At the moment, because of the volume of traffic that's out there, I think it's going to be, you know, and I'm only speaking for the coast, uh, you know, on this date, but there is just so many people there. It is so hard to to build an in-depth conversation with someone to get to the the um, the depth of it. But you, if you don't get to it, you're not going to be able to help them properly anyway. So they are basically on their own and, and fighting the masses to try to beat someone else to the property. So, mm. it's, so full disclosure. Yeah, look, you're better to trust someone, and and so if and the easiest way is start ringing around and seeing who's actually interested in you. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And if you find someone that is really, really genuinely interested in you and interested in you know what you're trying to do with your investment strategy and how long you're going to be doing that investment strategy and things like that, that's the person to go with. Okay. Once you've got a bit of trust in them. Nice. Hmm. Any other tips for investors? No, I think you've got them all covered. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Butcher, thank you very much. Thanks, Darren Butcher signing out. Thanks very much, Carly. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. I do need to warn you that even though we silence the phones, you will hear ringing and dinging and alerts going off and notifications coming through. And that's because Darren wasn't joking when he said the market's hot. His phone didn't stop. It was produced by Kieran Christie. It's hosted by me, Carly Eldridge, and it's brought to you by Heritage Media. Episodes drop every Wednesday wherever you get your podcast. Everything we discussed on the show will be in the show notes below. And if you've got a subject that you'd like to talk about real estate in or around real estate, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Bye for now.